And after I airballed it, I went back to Coach Fieger and I was like, hey, was that a good shot? And he's like, don't make me answer that question. <laughs> Just don't do that again. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. South to Robinson, long three. Oh, <laughs> Back to the basket. We are live on a Monday in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now is ESPN College Basketball insider, expert, and analyst Jay Billis is back on the program. Jay, great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. How are you this morning? Doing great. How are you guys doing? You know, I wish we were discussing another we, BYU win. Better. And the Cougars were 7-5 and five and had beaten the, uh, the Cowboys on the road, but they didn't. But still, we're looking big picture today, so... Uh, how at this juncture, BYU six and six in the toughest basketball conference in America. How would you assess what BYU has done in the Big Twelve thus far? I think it's been great. I mean, I think most people expected it was going to be a rougher ride than this, going uh, from one conference to another, especially going into what I consider to be the best conference in the country. So, I think uh, marks. You know, it's been high marks for BYU uh, all the way around. And, and it's hard not to feel good about the resume when you look at it. Things still good. Certainly uh, trending in a certain direction. Defensively, BYU's not played great the last couple of games. Uh, but, you know, at Oklahoma State, uh, you know, other teams have lost there as well. Uh, how would you kind of summarize what, what that loss kind of meant on Saturday and where BYU needs to go from here? Well, I mean, any game on the road I think is difficult to win. But, uh, you know, even Oklahoma State, they haven't had as much success this year. Part of it's been some injuries they've had at given times, but they're just not as consistent. And people tend to forget you can have good teams that have less than stellar records because they're just not particularly consistent. That doesn't mean they can't play really well from game to game. And, you know, BYU, like a lot of teams, you know, BYU is different offensively. They, they uh, are one of the best three-point shooting teams, if not the best three-point shooting team in the country. They actually shoot more threes than Alabama, which to a lot of fans would be really surprising. Uh, but they're not, you know, they're not uh, a, a lockdown defensive team. They're good defensively, but that's not really, I wouldn't say that's their identity is to knock people's teeth in on the defensive end. So that doesn't mean they can't get significantly better uh, as we go through the season uh, toward the end. And, uh, but their offense is good enough to keep them in every game and, and have a chance to win. Jay Billis is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You had BYU at number 14 in your own personal rankings last week. So after a loss at Oklahoma State, how much does that impact BYU's resume and where they fall in your index right now? Not very much. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them that much at all. Um, you know, I think the, the issue is going to be there are a lot of teams that are kind of bunched up after you get past the top couple of seed lines um, in the, if you want to try to project out the tournament. And I think what the committee is going to ultimately wind up doing to tell them apart, unless you're – you know, parsing through a lot of tape like us idiots do, um, you're not going to be able to tell them apart. So what they'll have to do is just count count quality wins and then count quality road wins, things like that. The one thing the committee does that I think is stupid is they they parse non-conference schedules. And why do, why do you care what non-conference schedule BYU played when they play this crazy hard conference schedule? 
you know, they say it's your overall body of work. So what difference does it make whether you challenge yourself in the non-conference? If you're challenged in your league and overall it gives you a competitive schedule with anybody else, I don't see why the committee should even factor that in. But, you know, nobody asked me. I, I just think that's kind of dumb. <laughs> hey, Tom Homo, BYU's athletic director, used to be on the committee for a couple of years. It's been fun to gain his insights as to kind of what they look at on the team sheet and whatnot. And right now, BYU's team sheet uh, looking good. Certainly not playing on Sunday in the second round means there's only four spots BYU could go, Jay, and one of them is Salt Lake. BYU's really hoping they could get some kind of home court advantage there, and if so, they'd probably be a more weathered, experienced team than they've ever been having one year in the Big 12. Yeah, where they go doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just gaining entry and trying to get the best seed you can because uh, you can you can get the best possible seed. And so you know, last year, Arizona is two, and they wind up getting a horrible matchup with a team like Princeton to have to try to guard that stuff. Um, and it, it gets really difficult with your second-round matchup or your, your second, uh, second game in, in a weekend. You know, football has the luxury of at least one week to prepare for everything. And basketball doesn't get that. So you have to prepare for one game, then you got to turn around in a short time frame, and the players have to digest how to deal with a completely different opponent in a very short time period. So that puts some of the top seeds at, at some risk there. Jay, BYU hosts Baylor tomorrow, so not much time to dwell on the loss against Oklahoma State. <laughs> they have a top 15 team coming to the Marriott Center tomorrow. What do you expect in that matchup the second time these teams have met, but this time obviously BYU dealing with home court advantage? Yeah, the, the, as you guys know better, better than most, the uh, Marriott Center is a tough place to play. Uh, but, you know, Baylor's used to that. They, they play in tough places all the time. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to do well in that environment. Uh, but, you know, playing in Allen Fieldhouse and some of the places they have to play, I don't think it'll be quite as shocking to them. Like, BYU, it, it may be the best atmosphere in the Big 12, but it's got some real competition, at least. Um, and in, in their time in other leagues, uh, it's been the best atmosphere. Um, so I think I think Baylor will be will be a little bit more uh, used to that kind of thing, if you will. Uh, but Baylor's very good. They haven't shot the ball as well in Big 12 play as they did in non-conference play, but they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And uh, Jacoby Walter has started to find his range. He struggled a little bit uh, making shots early on in Big 12 play, and his numbers went way down. Um, and then Ray J. Dennis, who transferred in from Toledo, where he's Mac Player of the Year, is a, a really good point guard. And uh, they're legit. They're very good. And the guy that's really made a difference to them is uh, Eve Misi, uh, the freshman uh, from Cameroon. And uh, he's explosive and can block shots. And he's really, uh, really difficult to contain in pick and roll situation because he rolls so hard in the basket. So it'll be a challenge. But BYU is going to be able to spread them out. And uh, they can make shots from uh, – they must have five or six guys that have made 30 or more threes. So uh, they'll be a, a major challenge uh, to spread out that Baylor defense. Jay, most, most of the announcers that come into Provo, they say Marriott Center, and that quickly tells you, hey, you're not from here. You don't know how to say the name of the gym. You said Marriott, which is proper, so thank you for being one of us. I appreciate that. Well, that, that's not up to you. That's up to the Marriott people. <laughs> if they're going to give me Marriott points for saying it the right way, I haven't seen any benefit from it, so I might just say Marriott. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Give him some Bonvoy. Give, give him some... 100,000 no points. Why should I do it? Yeah. I, I actually played there when I was in high school. Did you they really? Used to have a, yeah, they used to have, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, and when I played AAU ball, there wasn't as much of that back then as there is now. But uh, 
but I played against a lot of guys that went to BYU and LA and uh, friends of mine and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we played a, it was called the BCI, you know, basketball Congress international. I don't even know what the hell that meant. But, uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we played at BYU. I think it was honestly, I think that was the first time at that tournament that Duke saw me play uh, where I ultimately wound up going. Uh, so I got, I got recruited by a lot of places because of, uh, because of that. And we also, we, uh, there was nothing to do for us in, uh, other than play basketball there. So we used to go to a bowling alley in Provo, and, uh, and we called it the, uh, uh, the CBI, the Provo Bowling Invitational. So we got a bunch of guys together to bowl. So we, we are expert bowlers in Provo. Yes. Yeah, very nice. Jay Billis, Provo Bowling Invitational champion, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, let's tack on some Marriott points for sure. Jay, I think the question is, when, when can we get you back in the Marriott Center at any point to call a game or otherwise? Just call my bosses. I, I'd love to be there. Um, it's been a long time since I've been there. I've done some BYU games on the road, you know, in Maui and some different places, but I haven't had uh, I haven't had the chance to get back there in a while. Part of that was the conference affiliation thing for a little while, but now, uh, now because of the Big Twelve, um, yeah, just just uh, just ring up my bosses and tell them. Tell them uh, I want to go because I want to go. Okay, the call the call is going in for sure. BYU versus Kansas next year. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> There will have to be some coffee shipped in, though. That, that's the, uh, oh, we, the only downside. We got you. <laughs> I think there are enough uh, things around campus that it's, can accommodate it's that. It's not just a bowling alley now, Jay. <laughs> we got you. Oh, All right, Jay. Uh, as far as BYU's resume goes, uh, your good colleague, Joe Lenardi, has BYU as currently a five seed. Maybe they drop a, a seed line after the loss to Oklahoma State. But in your realistic opinion, what's, what's the ceiling for BYU? Where how high could they go without fully putting on these blue goggled lenses that sometimes BYU fans do? You know, I, I, I really don't know the answer to that. I mean, with all respect to what uh, Joe does and all these bracketologists, there's, there's nothing I care less about than where somebody is today. <laughs> um, because, it, you know, they always say if it ended today, it doesn't end today. And that always puts uh, outcome over process. And the process is play the game in front of you and get better so that you're at your best in March. And that's what the coaches are saying. I mean, I, I don't think the teams are looking at this going. Uh, I know some of the coaches do look at this stuff for their own uh, edification, sort of the idea that, uh, hey, if we go three and two in this stretch, we'll be in better shape or this, this game means more uh, for our resume. But the, uh, the players, that doesn't get you any wins to focus on that stuff. It doesn't help you. And I'm more of a process guy. Um, but, but look, the, the, the good news is BYU is really good. And I, I, I don't think there are very many teams out there, if any, that they cannot beat. It's just the, the list of teams that can beat them is probably a little bit longer because of the nature of this year. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what it is uh, because we don't have all the data, but I tend to think the transfer portal, especially, and then NIL to some extent, has spread talent around more, which is what I anticipated would happen and what every reasonable economist anticipated would happen. And that's what most fans said they wanted. Um, so it's a little bit harder to tell uh, some teams apart resume-wise, and that's why for the committee it's going to come down to a counting exercise. Um, and I don't know, honestly, it should be any different because I'm not sure that, that I would trust uh, a committee to decide, well, they looked at us play and they think that another team's better than us. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather they do it based on, on how many games did you win? 
uh, against what quality competition and how many road wins, and then just slot it that way. That's a lot easier than trying to say, well, you know, Purdue's offense is really good against zone. Uh, I don't want them making that determination. You've uh, been outspoken over the years about different uh, NCAA issues and whatnot. What's sort of top of mind of, hey, we need to address this moving forward? Because there's a lot of discussion, obviously, about Transportal, NIO, and whatnot. Conference, or, uh, expansion of the NCAA tournament is always discussed. What's number one on your agenda item of, we need to address this? Well, I mean, if, if it's off-court issues, um, the NCAA is staring down some court cases that are going to cost them billions of dollars, and they're going to lose them. And to me, it's a no-brainer. The, the simplest and smartest thing to do running a multi-billion-dollar entertainment industry is just take the restrictions off and tell these institutions you can pay whomever you want, whatever you want, in whatever fashion you want. And it'll be a recognized market. It won't be very difficult. They'll sign the players to contracts. If you can sign them to a letter of intent, you can sign them to a contract. It's not that hard. And coaches say, well, it's transactional. It's always been transactional. You either offered a player a scholarship or offered them a walk-on position. They signed a letter of intent. It's not difficult. But if you sign them to a contract, you bargain with the player, and the player has bargaining rights, and, and they say, we'll pay you X amount of dollars, but we want a buyout in the contract. We want a provision that says if you become academically ineligible, the contract's terminated. If you get arrested or run afoul of the law, the contract's terminated, things like that. And there can be player protections in there if the player wants health care or something like that. You can bargain for it. Not that difficult. And, uh, you know, it works for the rest of American society. The idea wouldn't work for college sports is kind of asinine. But um, they just don't want to do it. Uh, and most administrators don't like it because they're worried about their jobs. And they know that if players are paid, that the efficient way uh, to spend money is going to be put money to get better on the field or on the court. And then for the, the, the positions that make those on the court better. And make a, they're going to eliminate a lot of these needless administrative positions, just like a bank would eliminate having 100 vice presidents. You don't need all that. Um, and that's one of the reasons they don't want, they don't want to do it. Uh, and, and part of it is, you know, college sports still looks at the money they bring in as their money. And so if a player gets any of it, they're going, wait a minute, we're giving the player our money. And, and it's not their money. Uh, that that's the problem that they have is they have to wrap their heads around they're running a business here. And now the courts and the government are going to make them run their business the way other American businesses run. And they don't like being told that. Jay Billis of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. Jay, if, just a follow-up question there. What What's an appropriate or realistic timetable to make an adjustment like that? How, how long do you think it would take if the NCAA just said, okay, you can sign these players' contracts and pay them whatever, whenever. Like, how, how long do you think that would take to legally implement and get moving? They could do it tomorrow. They could just say, uh, no more restrictions. And, you know, look, it, it, it's really interesting to me that we seem to think this is so difficult because we've always had these restrictive rules on players that violate federal antitrust law. That's, a, that's, that's established. The way the NCAA operates is a cartel which unilaterally uh, places wage restrictions on one class of person, that being the athlete, that's illegal. And they now know that. The Supreme Court has said it. They now know it. If they said tomorrow um, you could do it, uh, you could you could just pay them whatever you want, they would be, it, it would work just like it works with hiring an athletic director, hiring a coach or an assistant coach. You know, the, the, the university president and the leadership of BYU isn't sitting up at night going, oh, my God, like, how are we going to run this university? Like, do we pay the landscape professional the same as we put, put, pay the provost? 
do we pay the, the secretary of the basketball office the same as we pay Mark Pope? I mean, they work just as hard and they're just as valuable. I mean, what do we do? They, they don't do that. It's not that difficult. And it's funny how, how in no time they could put together a 12-team playoff and sell it for over $8 billion. They figured that out, and they weren't worried about who's getting what. They could do this tomorrow. It's not that difficult. Follow them on X at Jay Billis. And, Jay, we wish you were with us tomorrow night in the Marriott Center calling Baylor BYU. That's not the case, but you're still very busy. So where can college basketball fans catch you this week? They can hit their mute button on Wednesday night when uh, I'm at uh, I do uh, Duke at Miami, and then I'll be in Texas, Kansas on Saturday. So get the mute button ready. It's it's it's, it's very effective. <laughs> hey, Big Twelve, baby, let's go back in the Big Twelve this weekend. Jay, we appreciate your time. We know how insanely busy you are, uh, and thanks for making some time for us on BYU Sports Nation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it, Jay Billis of get ESPN. Get this man some Marriott, yes, Marriott, Marriott points. points. More on. Marriott points. I think we have a connection at the, the Provo Downtown Marriott. So you got a place to stay, a nice place to stay I'm when sure you come, in, when you come and call a game fun, you know. at the Marriott Center. But interesting that he he played here in high school, but he's like, man, I've been there. I've been back in a long time. His like, freshman year was '82. So if it was his junior or senior year, Danny Ainge would have been with the Blue Jays maybe while he was yeah. coming here to to hang out and play some basketball and bowl and whatnot. Wild. Maybe Jim McMahon was bowling the same night uh, in another <laughs> the lane. Like bowling Blaine Fowler would have been here as a freshman, uh, maybe Jay's senior year. Who knows, just like a year difference there, I think. Yeah. But, he's such um, an intriguing voice just in college athletics in general. Hey, what he's talking about is very interesting. I do not think that that benefits, by the way, BYU in the future. BYU is not about hand, NIL handout. They're trying to compete in that space. But BYU is not recruiting the top dogs that cost a lot. Those guys are not going to come here because BYU is not going to give them a, a ton of cash, right? They want a different kind of guy that comes to BYU. Mm. So, um, Don't you if, think it's already kind of happening, though, even though it's, it's not yes, fully but, declared, but like the, the rich are getting richer yes. with athletes anyway? Yes, and my concern there is, can BYU win a Power 5 Conference Championship if it's not going to be as competitive financially in that space by choice? That's my concern, because I'm not talking about being in a Power 5. Check, BYU's there. Competing in a Power 5 in men's hoops right now. Check, despite this, right? It's not like these guys aren't getting NIL money. I'm talking about top-end guys where you get great, uh, great talent and a certain amount of money. BYU's, yes, going to pay a certain amount of money, but it's not going to be top-end money. Mm. When we're talking about championships, Spencer, I'm not talking about ballers on a budget, which is what BYU's done for a long time, and a different kind of person that comes here that wants to be a BYU associated with certain values and whatnot. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about winning conference championships. That just, there's no, there's no kind of cap on that. And then suddenly, now what? What does that look like for BYU in a championship level in football and men's basketball? BYU can win women's volleyball and women's soccer and so on and so forth. Without that, those aren't the NIL spaces we're referring to. Okay, so, I mean, you're referencing, for lack of a better phrase, the big money sports. That's like, what they're referring BYU to. BYU will never sign a quarterback for a million dollars, for example. So what, what you're going to do is go get somebody else that may fit your system a little better, that is hungry, that has skill. Mm. My, and, and, and look, let's be honest. In the case of, like, Keaton Slovis and Jerry Bohannon, not as sought after because of injuries last some recent struggles, but they want an opportunity, and BYU wants them to have said opportunity. Will BYU sign a guy for $750,000 at some point, a quarterback? And that, at some point, if there's no cap, that would be on the cheap end, Spence. You, you get what you pay for to some degree. But, like, if you're going to win a Big 12 championship, 
do you have to fork out the cash at some point is the question I would so ask. So sometimes the magic just kind of comes together without those big money type players. And that's what BYU is going to have to kind of hope for, right? Like I don't believe at, that will happen. You look at Baylor football in 2021, and it was like they had they had no like – This is pre-NIL stuff. Big – well, NIL was in like, play in it's, 2021. It's, it's still not figuring it out. It's not – no, it's not the same as like – from here on out, especially, and I'm referring to what Jay is talking about. If they lift the lid on this completely, for sure. Then it, then yeah, I understand. Your now you're just hoping there, to go eight and four, and you're celebrating those wins, what, but you're not actually competing for a conference. What's constituted That's right now is, man, if if you do get a great quarterback in in football, as fickle as it is, you get an amazing amazing player that can change your program Absolutely. for one season, right? And, and BYU's had those throughout the years. I just wonder if at some point you wouldn't have got the guy, get the guy you guys you've got. Because now the landscape is very different in recruiting. Like, like Jaron Hall coming out now, is he still coming to BYU? I would hope so. But, like, you know, uh, other, other guys, who knows? I, I'm just concerned. Again, I'm not talking about making a bowl game or going 8-4. I'm talking about if the lid sure. is lifted on NIL, will BYU be able to have enough talent to win a conference championship, not compete, Win a conference championship if you're not paying those high-end guys. Or will they play I ball? I am concerned yeah. it will be very difficult. Yeah, for sure. They're difficult regardless. Yeah. It is, it's difficult even for the okay, rich teams. I'll say it more plainly, that yeah. it won't happen. Okay. That's what I'm concerned about. All right. Uh, intriguing segment for sure with Jay Billis. Yeah. Great to have him back on the show. Appreciate him. There's very few guys who are like, yes, we'll take you in any form, even if a phone while you're dipping in and out oh, of the he's car. He's so whatever. busy. We don't care. Jay Billis, awesome. BYU Basketball. Mark with Mark Pope. Thursday nights, 8.30 Eastern time. Big game with Baylor at Kansas State this weekend. Let's go. Lauren Gustin set a new career high in points scored over the weekend in a tough loss to Kansas. She was remarkable again. The Cougars are 5-9, and nine, but she's been so good. Should she be considered for the Big 12 Player of the Year honor? This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social. We're on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jaron. We just spoke with ESPN's Jay Billis. If you missed that conversation, you should watch it on demand. For now, let's roll out your Monday headlines. Men's basketball lost 93-83 at Oklahoma State. BYU's worst loss this season by net ranking, 125. Cougars scored a big two, or the Cowboys rather, scored a big 12 season on 93 points, shot almost 60%. BYU shot a season low 23% from three in the loss. BYU is still number 10 in net, 16 in Ken Palm. We'll see if the Cougars stay in the AP poll today. Number 12, Baylor is in town tomorrow night, pregame 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Ready. BYU women's basketball had their three-game winning streak snapped Saturday in a 70-62 home loss to Kansas. This in spite of a career-best 33 points from Lauren Gustin. She added... You know, 18 rebounds, incredible. But outside of Gustin, BYU players combined to shoot just 11 of 41 from the field, two for 17 from the three-point line. With the Cougars' most recent loss, they're now 15 and 12, five and nine in the Big 12. Up next, they host TCU and Provo on Wednesday in a game that will certainly play a huge role in where they wind up in Oklahoma, or sorry, rather in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 announces its inaugural Pro Days in Frisco, Texas. It'll be, here's the announcement, March 27th through the 31st. Five full days of one day through Sunday. 
live on the NFL Network. And the football media days were announced this morning, July 9th and 10th at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Sixth-ranked BYU men's volleyball swept by number two Grand Canyon back-to-back nights at the Smith Fieldhouse this weekend. The Lopes are for real. With the loss, BYU drops to 9-5 overall. They're 0-2 in MPSF play. That's quite a way to open up MPSF competition, too. Up next, you know, fourth-ranked UCLA and Pro matches this weekend. Saturday. Might as well be Grand Canyon-UCLA to begin at home. Oh, boy. Yeah, huge matches. Obviously, uh, a win is needed in at least one of the two. Didn't one of the sets go to 32 points? Yeah, 34-32. Oh, my goodness. The first night, it was all three were due sets. Uh, Saturday, not as much. Crazy finish to the ending Saturday, by the way. We saw John Stanley hurts his ankle. They point at the wrong team for the point. They start the line to finish the match, and they're like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? It clearly was BYU's point. What are we doing? They challenge. It took 10 minutes. We restart. Oh, man. Service area into the net. And it was over. Okay, uh, what else is going on? Baseball. Open the season. 8-1 win against USC. Okay. Bum, 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 and then lost Saturday, 7-2 to Ohio State. Freshman Kuhio Aloy had a homer in both games. Boy, Dude shows up, hitting dingers. Let's go. Cougars play Grand Canyon today at 3 Eastern on BYU Radio and MLB.com. Avenge the men's volleyball loss. Yes, Dave, Dave McCann, our good friend on the call. BYU softball won their final three games at the Littlewood Classic in Tempe, Arizona this weekend. It dropped games one and two, but the Cougars bounced back with wins against Illinois State, Memphis, and Cal State Fullerton. BYU now eight and two on the season. They'll head to Palm Springs. Hey, this you're stomping ground. Absolutely. This is a cool facility they're playing in, too for the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic, which begins on Thursday. High-level teams, and all of the parks are designed like famous Major League Baseball stadiums. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I like that. Gymnastics scored a season high. Nice. 196-6 Friday at number five. Kentucky, some notable performances, including Anissa Alvarado led the Cougars on bars, 9925. Elise Rollins, new season high, 9925 on the beam. Alex Mason. Uh, scored a 9-8 plus on the beam bars and vault. Up next, BYU host Big 12 affiliate Denver in a home meet on Friday. They're showing consistent growth as a team that, dare I say, is overachieving right now. Denver's really good. It'll be fun to watch those two teams compete in Big 12 competition. Pioneers versus Brigham. Yeah. That is a matchup. Come on. Former BYU runner Rory Linkletter qualified for the 2024 Paris Olympics yeah. representing Canada. After running the Olympic standard in the marathon yesterday morning, congratulations to Rory. Awesome. Linkletter now marks the fourth former BYU Cougar who has qualified at this point for the Olympics in Paris, joining Connor Mance and Clayton Young also in the marathon and our guy Jimmer Fredette in 3x3 basketball. This is a marathon school, Spence. Mm. Men and women's track and field distance teams competed at the Terrier DMR Challenge in Boston on Friday. Sadie Sargent, Sami Oblad, uh, probably Sammy. Uh, Megan Hunter and Riley Chamberlain broke the BYU school record in the DMR, placing third overall. Which, by the way, all three of those are the fastest in NCAA history. The men's team took fourth overall as well. BYU men's tennis winning their fifth straight match, beating Nevada 6-1. to one. The women's team with their sixth win of the season, they best Colorado State also 6-1. to one. That takes care of your Monday headlines. Now for the Big 12 Roundup. Number 10, Iowa State beat Texas Tech 82-74. Keyshawn Gilbert had 24 in the win. Cyclones outscored Texas Tech 28-0 in points off turnovers. Iowa State plays at number three, Houston, tonight. That's a huge game. I'm really glad the BYU did not have a single Saturday-Monday situation, by the way. Amen to that. Especially because your boys ain't practicing on Sunday. 
Sixth ranked Kansas with a big bounce back win on the road at number 25 Oklahoma 67 57 Hunter Dickinson 20 points 16 rebound double double to lead the Jayhawks to that win in Norman Kansas now eight and five in Big 12 play Oklahoma falls to six and seven one spot behind BYU number three Houston beat Texas 82 61 LJ Cryer 26 Jamal Shedd, stuffed stat sheet, 16 points, 11 boards, 6 assists, 6 steals, 2 blocks. He could be player of the, the year. As he well. could be player of the year in the conference. Houston host, as mentioned, number 10, Iowa State. And then Texas host, Kansas State, coming up tomorrow. 12th ranked Baylor. They take on BYU tomorrow night. And as the precursor, they beat up on West Virginia 94-81. Jacoby Walter and Jaden Nunn each scoring 20 points to lead the Bears to that win. They're now 8-4 in Big 12 play. West Virginia drops to 3-9. They've lost four straight. Baylor BYU can't wait tomorrow in the Marriott Center. Caleb Lohner, what's up? TCU 75, Kansas State 72. Jameer Nelson Jr. hit a fadeaway three with the second left for the win. Micah Peavy had 26 to lean the Horn Frogs. TCU 7 and 5 in league with the win. Kansas State 5 and 7 with the loss. Plays at Texas tonight. Cincinnati outlasts UCF 76 74. Uh, the Knights trailed by 14 points, got to within one in the final minute, but unable to tie or take the lead. Sound familiar to what uh, happened against BYU with UCF? Oh, yeah. yeah UCF, big good. lead late. Good at the end, but not good enough to win. Cincinnati improves to 5-7 and seven in uh, league play. UCF drops to 4-8 and eight in league games, which takes us to the updated Big 12 standings. BYU alone in seventh place. They're the only team right now currently at 500, 6-6. Six and six. A game back of Texas Tech, TCU, and then there are the top four with Iowa State, Houston, Baylor, and Kansas. If BYU had won, they'd still be in seventh. They'd be seven and six right behind them. Yes. So not a huge deal in terms of place in the standings, but obviously a, a winnable game at yeah. Oklahoma State disappointing. It stings for sure. Those are today's headlines, the Big 12 Roundup. Now some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. This one's for Jay Bellis, who mentioned he doesn't like this type of thing. If the Big 12 tournament was today, <laughs> this is what the bracket would look like. Would you take this right now, or do you want to play it out? I want to play it out, because I don't want BYU to have to play Texas in the first round. Seven seed, and then if you win that, you're playing Houston, dude. I would love, would you love, love, What would you rather be right now? A six seed. Like, You'd rather play, be a six and play Baylor? Play it out. Well, like, it things is? like you, your first round game would be against the winner of 11 and 14. Yeah. So you got a chance to get to like an, an easier win. And I think, game. yes, I think Baylor is a better matchup for BYU, certainly, than having to face Houston or Iowa State. I'd love to be a six as well. I'm thinking BYU's probably going to end up, like if I'm calling my shot right now, in the 8 9 game. Well, yeah. It, and it, then you'd play either the, Iowa State the or Houston. Seed, but I'd, I'll take Iowa State, though, because BYU's shown they can beat them. And uh, that, that'd be interesting. But yeah. There's not a matchup where you get to Thursday where you're going, no. yeah, we're winning that for sure. <laughs> There's not a single one where I'm like, BYU's winning that for sure. I would just like BYU to win a game in Kansas City. Like, win a game. If, if you're the sixth seed, no you, matter what, you got a just, shot, then just get to the quarterfinals. The five or six and you get, get to the quarterfinals. It's going to be the five, though. BYU's going to be six, seven, eight, nine. Or nine. Yeah. Something. Like, I think they'll be somewhere between six and nine. Yeah. What you don't absolutely don't want to happen is slide into the 11 14 situation. Now you're playing on Tuesday. Now you're playing on Tuesday. Yeah. And then you're. That yeah. can get super weird. Ultimately, just win a game in Kansas City. Yeah. I'm not hoping for more than that. I just would like a win. If you get two, oh, amazing. I don't care how. Just it get goes. one. Yeah. If you're the six seed, good chance to win that one. NCAA College Football 25. <laughs> it's happening. 
They posted this first trailer last week with the highly anticipated release coming later this summer. And here are a few BYU versions of the cover. This is actually a Utah fan. Christian Judd, he posted this with Darius Laster's one-handed catch against Texas Tech with the following quotation, to my brothers and sisters to the South, don't say I never gave you anything. <laughs> well done. <laughs> oh, I like that. that catch. Incredible moment for BYU last season. And then our social team posted these two, Chase Roberts and a Lavelle Edwards Legends edition. I like the Lasseter one of the live action shots for sure. The, the Lavelle one is fantastic as well. I'm thinking for a cover, you need to see the person's eyes. So uh, Lavelle wins it for me. You, you got to see the eyes. That's how you market a thing. You can't just show the person looking down or you got to see the eyes. Yeah, this, let's is, go. this is basic marketing. Uh, let's, go. let's go. Okay, uh, should Lauren Gustin be in the Big 12 Player of the Year conversation despite BYU's 5-9 record in league? Jerem, she has been so good that she is a first-team All-Big 12 player right now. Yes. But you cannot overcome 5-9. and nine. You just can't. It's too hard. Yeah. Right now it's Madison Booker because Texas, I think, is going to finish atop the standings. I mean, she's averaging 20 points a game. And, like, while she's not the rebounding queen like Lauren Gustin, she's still averaging 5.5 rebounds and 5.5 assists per game. Queen she's and passing 92% from the free throw line, 50% overall. Like, she, she is legit. WNBA future star Madison Booker. So she's get, she, to me, is the player of the year right now. But Lauren should be a first-teamer right now. If it ended today, like, oh, she's not she first should teamer. be what a first-teamer. Yeah, she wasn't even on any list to begin the season. Not an honorable mention. That is wild. Dishonorably mentioned. All right, up next, we'll answer more of your Mailbag Monday questions after the break. Maybe you're concerned about BYU after Oklahoma State's loss, or maybe you just think it's just a one-off. What do you think? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Men's Hoops host number 11 Baylor tonight. Cougs 6-6 six six in league play. Baylor in third place in 8-4. The Bears beat uh, BYU in Waco 81-72 on January 13th. Pre-game starts at 8 Eastern tonight. BYU TV, BYU Radio. In the AP poll, Cougars dropped six spots but stayed in the poll. And number 25, Joe Lenardi's Bracketology. The Cougars still a six seed playing Texas A&M. Let's avenge the 0809 losses. Let's go, in the man. Tournament. Get it done. Lauren Gustin, once again, named the Big 12 Player of the Week. How about that? Two weeks in a row. She averaged, averaged 27.5 points a game, 16.5 rebounds, and had a career-high 33 points in that loss against Kansas. Gustin and BYU back to work tomorrow night when they host TCU. Pro Football Focus had four Cougars on its 2024 NFL Draft Big Board of 320 players. Kingsley so Suomati at 46, Keaton Slovis at 286, Isaac Krex at 287, and Ryan Rico as Mr. Irrelevant on this list at least, 320. BYU Baseball drops their final game of the MLB Desert Invitational to Grand Canyon last night by a final of 6-2. Up next for the Batcats, a road game at Cal tomorrow. And men's volleyball dropped two spots in this week's ABCA poll to number eight after two losses last week to Grand Canyon. First time in 22 years, the same team came in on a weekend and swept BYU in both matches. Crazy, Crazy. right? Number four, UCLA comes to Provo for a pair of matches this weekend. Friday and Saturday, 9 Eastern on BYU TV. There's no Utah ride in men's volleyball. UCLA is the rival. Th th that is the rival for sure. That's a great comparison. Just get one of them. Come on. Those are today's headlines. Now for the Big 12 Roundup. Another busy day of basketball. 
and we might as well recap once again what happened last night. Number two, Houston beat number six, Iowa State by eight, 73-65. Jamal Shedd, 26 points. Cougars now in sole possession of first place. Houston, that is. Outshot the Cyclones from the free throw line, plus 14 and makes. And uh, Iowa State, 10 and three. Iowa State in second place in nine and four. Texas beats Kansas State in Austin, 62-56. Dylan Disu's 20 points led the Longhorns to the win. Texas guard Max Acemus scored his 3,000th career point in the win. That's amazing. One of 12 Fifth players year. in the history of the NCAA to do so. Tyler and Jimmer would have got to 3,002 if they had a fifth year. Texas now 6-7 and seven in league play. Kansas State drops to 5-8. <laughs> and eight. The Wildcats await BYU in Manhattan on Saturday. They have lost seven of the last eight. I'm not trying to dismiss the 3K. We just need an asterisk in there for fifth year guys. Yes. I've said this before. It's just... Tyler and Jimmer would have got to 3,000 in December. You know what I mean? It's crazy. TCU at number 23, Texas Tech. Both teams enter uh, tonight's game, 7-5 in the Big 12. TCU won the previous meeting. They won four straight in the series. Tech a 5.5-point favorite in Vegas. UCF at West Virginia. The Knights 4-8 and eight in Big 12 play, but have lost three straight. West Virginia 3-9 and nine in league. They've lost four straight, so... Streaks collide tonight. It's going to end for somebody. UCF, a two-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. That's it for the Big 12 Roundup. Now, some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. College Football Playoff Committee approved a model to include the five highest-ranked conference champs plus the seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the College Football Playoff. Okay. Of course, uh, this was a six-and-six six thing with the Pac-12, but now the Pac-12 is down to two teams. They have the less than the minimum eight required. Uh, this is uh, this is the way to go, right? The six and six, not the five and seven. Absolutely, this is the way. Uh, in fact, I, I kind of thought it had already happened. <laughs> <laughs> wait, it just now became official? I could have became official today. Exactly. I was like, wait, that didn't already happen? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad it's official. This is the way. Yeah, th this is going to be fun. Um, it, it does lessen sort of the regular season a bit because now you can have two, you know, two or three losses and make the playoff. I can't wait. But but we'll see. My hope for the Big 12 is that they do get two teams in. You get the champion, but then somebody else is, is somebody in the top else going to show up? Yeah. Yeah, some, can somebody else be in the top 12? Let's go. That, and that again, there's, the there's no like automatic this or that. The only thing that's automatic is the top five highest ranked conference champs. So when you're league, you're in. Let's go. Can BYU make that playoff in the next 10 years, Spence? The we'll, power we'll four champs and then the best of the rest, right? The power and four. Somebody else. Last year it was Liberty. Still yeah. trying to get used to the power four. I know. Is anyone really saying that? We've kind of joked about that. Let's go. That's what it is. Does BYU need to beat Baylor tonight at the Marriott Center to remain in next week's AP Top 25 and make it 14 straight weeks of being ranked? Probably because they're just barely in, right? So hopefully they do, and then it'd be nice to win at Kansas State, and then you're firmly in. But, like, there's a chance with the split that you drop out. You could beat Baylor and still because of what have you done for me lately, you yeah. lose a Kansas State, it's like, nah, get him out. It's like, well, I beat number 11 Baylor early this week. Could be. People forget. So weirdly, it's like, you're going to split, like, as far as rankings go, it's almost like, well, you, you got to beat Kansas State just to give some people something good to think about before they vote. What did Spencer W. Kimball say is the most important word in the English language? Remember. Glad right. we go every Sunday. Let's go. The Big 12 released the women's hoops bracket. If the tournament started today, uh, BYU would play Oklahoma State in yeah. the 8-9 uh, game. Yep. Would you take this right now? Yeah. I think right now the best case scenario, just based on 
the separation between one through seven and where Oklahoma State and BYU are, I mean, there are a few games of separation there. Best case, BYU finishes in the number eight spot. So they're number nine, it's the same game. And I think Oklahoma State's an okay matchup for BYU there. They have a chance to win a game and just get to the next day, which I think would be a huge accomplishment. That'd and be, they avoid the first day. That'd be great. The goal for women's basketball is to make the WNIT, which is a 64-team tournament. And I think they, they absolutely can do that. And then continue a postseason run with your young team and then keep going. And it's a bummer you lose Gustin and Smiler, but you get some real talent coming back and you have a really nice recruiting class as well you keep building. Okay, only four regular season games left for the aforementioned women's basketball team. Tomorrow night it continues. Uh, trying to avenge a 14-point loss in December to TCU. Tomorrow, 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. An entirely different TCU team. <laughs> Literally. There are volleyball players on there now. <laughs> That's crazy. Darius Lassiter. Good news. Announcing his return to BYU on social media. He got that extra year of eligibility, which was the right move by the NCAA. We'll discuss what kind of year we expect from him and what the receiver room looks like overall. This is mm. BYUSN. Like the room. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We are live in Studio B, and while basketball is certainly top of mind with a top 25 showdown in the Marriott Center happening tonight, we need to call time out there for a little bit because... There's a little bit of underrated news, I think, coming from BYU football in Darius Lassiter sending out the following tweet, which said, with four pictures of him playing at BYU. I wanted eight, but that'll be sufficient. All I ever needed was a chance. See you in the fall, Cougar Nation. And those are some great images. Yep. That dude had some unbelievable catches that are documented in those four pictures right there. Yep. But we wondered, like, okay, he played one, I think, one play in a junior college season, and for whatever reason, the NCAA was saying, like, well, that counts as your eligibility. It's like, dude, he played, like, one play. But they did the right thing. They gave him an extra year of eligibility, and now he's going to yeah. be back in that room, Jerem. So what's your reaction to this news Stoke. from Darius Lasseter? 29 catches, 365, four touchdowns. Felt like it was a lot more. This is a guy that could be a 60, 606 guy. Um, could be the best receiver on the team. Potentially, there's the grab, right? Oh. That was the play of the year. I'm very excited about uh, Darius being back. It's a huge addition. We expected him back. We expected this to happen, but now it's official. I love that Darius is back in this room, and I, I think he has a real opportunity uh, to do something special, hopefully with whoever the quarterback is, uh, Jake Retzloff or Gary Bohannon. Jake Bohannon with but Gary Retzloff. The receivers are so good, they, they need somebody to deliver them the ball regularly. And I know injuries played into what happened with Keaton Slovis last year. I'm not overlooking that. Well, and a run game. Of, style of offense and lack of run Run game, game uh, was an issue. That was the biggest issue to me. It wasn't injuries. It was no run game equals just harder to execute the play action where BYU has made a living the last couple of years deep. They were not getting effective play action this year. Look at this room, though. I mean, Darius Lassiter, Chase Roberts, Keelan Marion. You have so many guys there, you move Keanu Hill to tight end. Yeah. Because you're rich in talent in that room. I love it. I think BYU could do something very nice. I'm okay with the balance, too. But I think Darius and Chase, like, those are the, those are the guys, right? Those are the top two guys. Cody Epps, certainly you want more from. Uh, Keelan Marion has shown that he, he's got some wiggle. Parker Kingston, has been good as well. Talmadge Gunther is the only guy who moved on, by the way. He's working for PAX, 
One catch for three yards. That's all you lose among receivers who caught a ball last year. Awesome. JoJo Phillips had a touchdown last year. Oh, by the way, off mi a mission, Cody Hagan yes. is the next Dax Milne Plus, okay? He is back. Tay Nakua out of high school. Those, those guys are kind of the, that I mentioned, kind of the top eight in the room competing for the three or four spots that you regularly have. You really use five or six guys that you truly target. Those eight will compete. I wouldn't be mad if, like, Tay Nakua redshirted, and once you're done with Chase and Darius and uh, Cody and whatnot, that you have this nice group of young guys coming behind them. Is this the deepest position group of any position group on BYU's team? I need to look at everybody, but that feels pretty nice. Last year was a struggle on offense, so it's hard to say that any position on offense is truly like excellent or deep at this point. We need them to kind of show me a little bit, given the struggles of the offense that weren't entirely one position group's fault, but the collective was not good. So sometimes you have the same guys back after they struggle, and you may think, well, didn't those guys struggle? What's the point of having all those guys back? We think that because they hired a new O-line coach, new tight end coach, that BYU can rediscover a run game, Hopefully a better quarterback play with some health slash two guys in the mix And there. a true dual threat, whether you go yes. with Gary Bohannon or Jake Redslaw. But that could make all the difference. And now these receivers are in a better spot. So, I, yeah, I like those eight dudes competing for spots yeah. there. Again, it's Don gonna, McKenzie it's gonna, coming off a of Mish. Give him a minute. We'll talk about him the next year. It's going to take a deep dive, but at initial glance, that might be the deepest position group on the entire football team. Yeah, I, I got to look at it, and then I'll make a better assessment. Who knows? All right, football out, basketball back in tonight. Another ranked versus ranked matchup. And with that in mind, our Top 5 Tuesday features the best BYU wins among ranked matchups in Cougar basketball history. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Number five, number seven, BYU at number six, San Diego State. In 2011, Jimmer versus Kawhi, the road version at Viejas. BYU won this 80-67. to Jimmer Fredette, 25 points. Charles Abuo added 18. He even banked in a three from the corner. Yep, you heard me right. The win helped BYU climb to number three in the next AP poll. Tied for the highest ranking in program history. I watched this game. On CBS! I watched this game with the San Diego BYU alumni chapter in a movie theater in San Diego while this game was happening. Should have just gone to the game. I tried. <laughs> it was very much a sellout. Uh, Steve Kerr was an analyst on this game. Fun fact. Number four, number two Gonzaga. At number 23 BYU as we rewind to 2020. February 22nd, to be exact, BYU's first week as a ranked team since Jimmer's team back in 2011. Gonzaga came into the game, heavy favorites. The Cougars ran away with it, 91-78. Yoli Chow, Jake Tolson, and TJ House combined to score 61 points on just an unforgettable senior night. This is one of my favorite awesome. memories ever in the Marriott Center. BYU pacing for something magical, and stupid COVID shut the season down. I got a different word for it, but anyway, number three. Number four, San Diego State. Number nine, BYU. Also in 2011, the home game. One of the greatest, if not the greatest game ever played in the Marriott Center. BYU won 71-58 thanks to 43 from Jimmer. Kevin Durant was tweeting about him. Best score in the world after the win moved BYU up to number eight in the AP poll. BYU ended the season number 10. The fans stormed the court. The one you just mentioned was the other court storm. Those are the only two I can remember in BYU history in the Marriott Center. Those were of the court unbelievable. Storm. Awesome. 
And the fact that Mark Pope, speaking of that Gonzaga win, like premeditated during Midnight Madness, like, hey, when we beat Gonzaga, we need to storm the, storm the court. He was guilty of premeditated court storming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Number two, 18th ranked BYU and number 10 UCLA in the NCAA tournament in 1981. The Cougars were a six seed. UCLA with three seed. BYU destroyed the Bruins by 23, 78, 55. Danny Ainge scored 37 points with no three-point line, mind you. Four assists, four rebounds, he had three steals. Got BYU to the Sweet 16 for the first time in program history since the tournament expanded. People forget about that because they think about this next game, which is number one. Of course, BYU beating Notre Dame in 1981. Oh, yeah. Number 18, BYU, number seven, Notre Dame. Six seed versus a two seed. BYU trailed with seven seconds left, 50 to 49. Danny Ainge takes it length of the court, behind the back, up and over Orlando. Warren so for good. the win! BYU goes to the Elite Eight for the only time in school history until this season, Spencer. BYU ended number 16 in the final AP poll. Let's go. Wear those blue goggles, baby. <laughs> I got the biggest ones I can find, bro. Let's go! Our question of the day, number 25, BYU. Four and a half point favorite tonight against number 11, Baylor. Are you buying BYU as a favorite? In response, our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, comes from Brad Matthew Hancock on Facebook, who says, at home, definitely buying. Home court has been an insane factor in Big 12 play this year. Yeah, it's been very good. BYU's had some notable wins. Um, they've had some disappointing losses, certainly. But, hey, at home, BYU's a different team. Everybody's different. But the Merit Center is special. Perhaps the greatest uh, Big 12 crowd, right, That that's there. So, BYU needs a great performance tonight to beat a very good Baylor team. They've beaten Iowa State. They've beaten Texas. I know that they weren't pretty wins, but they beat Kansas State and UCF. Oh, I'll, I'll take a win of one plus tonight. Like, uh, and, ugly. And we're a three-point shot from Trevin Nell away from maybe beating Houston. Yeah. Like the Marriott Center special. Our today's Rise of Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Hey, uh, Lauren Gusson, back-to-back Big 12 Player of the Week. And Darius Lassiter, he's back, baby. Our thanks to today's guest, Sean Farnham, who's still a little salty about us having Jay Billis on yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yes, he is. Sorry, Dennis. No time. <laughs> For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Junior Mahe. Remember him? I like Reno tonight. better. 8 Eastern for pregame basketball shenanigans. Go Cougs. Reno is better than Junior. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYUSN Bears beaten by Brigham Young basketball. The Cougars knock off number 11 Baylor last night. We'll discuss the winning numbers that stood out from the victory. Plus, we hear from the head coach, Mark Pope, on what he loved most about the win, how BYU improved defensively, and what he thinks they can still improve upon before Kansas State. Gregory Rubel joins us to discuss what impressed him the most from last night's big win. And the stat that guarantees the BYU win with at least one game in the NCAA tournament. Yep, it's happening. I guarantee it. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. A winning Wednesday, hey. February 21st. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who somehow avoided all of the water celebration in the BYU locker room, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, if anyone uses anything but water, oh, it's all stained. It's all, <laughs> so you got to chuck the, uh, you got to chuck every, all the laundry in and, uh, you know, the suit's ruined. No, but in the locker room, uh, you know, who gave Coach the cooler? <laughs> so Mark storms in there with a the cooler with ice. By the way, it's always random noises, yelling, and then listen. It always evolves into, hey, hey, 
Hey, listen, listen. Here it comes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It always gets into the rhythm. But yeah, look at Mark here. One more look. Let's go! And I think he misses everybody. Seriously, who gave him the cooler? <laughs> that was the only miss from distance that BYU had last night. 14 made threes. No, it was, it was great shooting that. What a win, man. What a night. It was, uh, it was amazing, man. Good vibes in that as locker room. As bitter as the Oklahoma State game, that was sweet, right? This is what that BYU has done. That must be in opposition in all things, This Spencer. is what BYU has done. When it's yeah. gotten weird in Big 12 play, they, they have up. come home and figured it out. So, so Kansas State, I hope BYU just gets destroyed. <laughs> so that Tuesday, they beat Kansas. Is that what you're saying? Well, they got to be home. Oh, Coming shoot. home is part of you're figuring right. it out, right? Never mind. Someone's going to clip that part only of what I just I'm said. I'm inclined right. to believe that BYU will have learned from the trap game against Oklahoma State and be more prepared for Kansas State. Perhaps at Kansas, you know, it's a tough game, and then you come home and you, you beat up on TCU. Figure it out against TCU. I like winning, and I like beating top 15 teams and ranked teams because that's what BYU's been doing here. BYU above 500 again in the Big 12. This time after beating the number 11 team in the country. They were giving it to Caleb Bloner last night, by the way. <laughs> wow. It was good to see him. I like Caleb. Yes. Yeah, parents still live here apparently, so tough night. It was good, it was good to see him, and it was good to see why you win yeah. a game. I don't like seeing him like airball threes <laughs> no. in the rock. You know, but hey, it's part of the deal when you leave. Oh, what a win for BYU. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Cougar basketball fans, welcome back courtside inside the Marriott Center. Dallin Hall transition three. He got it! Jackson for three. He got it! In on Saunders. Oh, what a play! 78-71. BYU over Baylor. Hey, the Cougars bested the Bears last night in the wildlife game of basketball. Number 25 BYU. Will they remain ranked? Regardless of what happens on Saturday, because you beat number 11 Baylor, we'll see. Uh, there were so many good trends that showed up last night that took us by surprise because over the last two and a half, three games, BYU had, frankly, played some weird basketball, specifically defensively, and they weren't making threes. But, I mean, a ton of winning numbers last night. So, Jerem, let's start there. What were the winning numbers in BYU's bounce-back victory last night? First off, luckily it was very well officiated. No one had any complaints about that. I was getting so many texts. I was like, stop texting me about uh, the officials. Second-chance points and yes. offensive rebounds were big time for BYU. The Cougars get 16 offensive rebounds, 20 second-chance points. They were plus 16 in that space. That was big time. BYU's ability to rebound against a long, athletic, physical team like Baylor is tremendous. They won the rebounding battle down in Waco. Didn't yield a fruitful result. This did, and here's Scott Drew, Baylor head coach, on BYU's domination of the glass. Typical uh, big, big 12 game. Um, uh, close, and uh, I thought the crowd really gave uh, uh, BYU a great lift uh, going to the glass especially. Um, 20 to 4 second chance points. They deserve the win. We didn't deserve it. Um, and we're all disappointed by our rebounding performance. Um, uh, God's given us a great platform. It's great for people to see Big 12 basketball. Um, we're, we're a tougher team than we showed tonight, and that, that, that we're all disappointed by that. Perhaps the toughest was Spencer Johnson. Oh, man. Eight days now away from uh, Baby Boy's due date on leap year, leap day. Nine, Nine rebounds! Nine rebounds for Spencer Johnson. He was awesome. 
He was awesome. And again, because so many different guys played integral roles, notably Ali Khalifa, probably a little bit understated and underappreciated, but I'm glad you brought him up because his role was massive Absolutely. on the glass. And it was great because early, Baylor hit a bunch of shots, right? But BYU was getting, um, you know, creating some turnovers, and they were hitting the glass hard, yes. giving themselves second chances. And that kind of helped them wade through the first 15 minutes before they took the lead and then didn't lose it. It was the survival mode yeah. early in the game. It was how yeah. BYU was competing against Baylor's red-hot shooting. Yes, and you can control how hard you hit the glass, how hard you play defense, right? You can't always control whether you make an open shot. Like, of course, well, why don't I just make it? Sometimes the ball just doesn't go down. BYU was doing things within its control, yes. reacting. They were the enforcer. They were the one getting at the basket. Um, they were, you know, and it was physical. Like, they called the N1 eventually there for Spencer Johnson, but he got knocked off the ball hard. Miro Little got hit by Richie Saunders. He was hitting, too. Like, I, I don't know what was going on there, but uh, <laughs> it got very physical, and BYU matched that physicality. I had a few people at halftime ask me, how in the world is BYU winning this game right now? Because of the weird start. Yeah. And I quickly pointed to two things. Offensive rebounding, which led to second chance points. At halftime, it was 13-0 BYU in second chance points. And then the Cougars started to make some threes, led mm -hmm. by Ali Khalifa late in the first half. BYU had made eight. They had made eight by halftime. And Baylor, in spite of starting three for three from beyond the arc, Man, they went ice cold. They made four. So BYU had doubled up the three-point makes, and they had dominated on the glass and the second-chance points. And I was like, okay, that is the formula. And it continued through the second half. Yes. Let's talk three-point shooting is another number, right? BYU obviously makes 14. Awesome. 39%. That's most in a Big 12 yeah, game, Big by 12 the way. Yeah, Big 12 high. They had, they had 13 against somebody else. But. I can't remember. But it wasn't a team like Baylor. Uh, Baylor came in as the number four three-point percentage shooting team in the country by Ken Palm's metric number one at nearly 41%. They go 25%. They finished two of 17. That was amazing. Not only did you have to make them, you had to defend Baylor from the three-point line, and BYU did a tremendous job. And you see the balance of BYU. We've talked about how great of a T-E-A-M this is. Six different players made a three, and here's Jackson Robinson on BYU killing it from distance. Uh, just staying aggressive. Um, it goes back to Coach talking about us being on our toes, uh, getting downhill, looking for the open man, playing off two feet, uh, just little things like that. And it always ma makes it easier to have him on the court. So um, big praise to Ali for making sure he's finding the open man. Once again, Jackson Robinson hitting critical shots down the stretch. Last seven points for BYU. This is kind of what he does now. He's the guy that wants to take the big shot and make the big shot. Although, I do need to give props to my guy Trevin Nell because Baylor started to make it a little bit weird with under three minutes to play. They cut the BYU lead to four after the Cougars had mm -hmm. missed a couple of bunnies at the rim. Richie Saunders missed yep. a layup down. Hall couldn't finish I the layup. I was afraid that was going to come back to bite BYU bad. And then Trevin, talking with him after the game, he said, man, we, we were up eight, and then mm -hmm. it was six, and then it was four, and I was like, all right, we got to do something. Out of the timeout, they draw up a yep. set play for Trevin Nell. With 310 left, yeah. And he makes the shot. Just huge. And I'm so glad for him because of the frustrations that he's been through this season. He shot 19% in the last seven games from three. Like, he was not shooting it great. But in the Marriott Center, he shoots 43%. And it got down to a four-point game. That made it a seven-point game with 310 to go. Little bit of breathing. Yes. Room. Big shot. Little Big bit, shot. yeah. 
just that just that emotional pad you need to be like, okay, mm -hmm. I think BYU's going to win this game. So Trevenel hits that shot, and then Jackson, the last seven points, seals the deal. That three, by the way, oh. is such a great play. They ran not one, not two, but a third player now, Jackson Robinson, off of Ali Khalifa, who then flares, by the way. Oh, he yeah. doesn't take the screen. He comes back, takes it that way, I guess. Dallin finds him, bang, and it was like, oh, BYU's going to win this. They're making clutch shots that's, right now. That's what chemistry does in an offense because, yes, they have the base of Ali Khalifa or Dallin Hall out front, but they're running so many different motions off of these screens. and, and It would be a nightmare to defense. It is a free-flowing <laughs> offense, but they know each other well. They know yeah. the body language. They, they are on the same page in large part. It and helps to have that continuity of roster, yes, right, from year that one to matters. two. Yeah. That matters. That and shows up in that moment. You're yeah. getting some really nice looks late in the game. So BYU does it again from the three-point line. Uh, they rediscover the magic that they had for much of the season. By the way, at four times they've hit 13. They've never gotten to 14 three-point makes in Big 12 play mm. until last night. That's awesome. Okay, points per possession allowed, by the way. I, I brought this up uh, earlier this week. 1.183 from Baylor. Why is that important? Um, because BYU is 7-1 when it's 1.189 or fewer. Okay. When it's higher than that, they've lost every game in Big 12 play. So here are the points per possession allowed in the wins. UCF at home got weird at the end. Look at Baylor. Second highest points allowed per possession in a win. Um, and, and you look, Cincinnati is the outlier, which um, is the only loss, right? 0.973. BYU played good defense is the point. BYU played good defense, which is fantastic. And then they shared the ball and didn't turn it over. Spence. Seven that turnovers. Big time. Only seven Turnovers. They got back to that three to one assist to turnover ratio. Oh, bonkers. That they're aiming for as a team. Yeah. And that's led by, once again, Ali Khalifa. Seven assists, zero turnovers. Dallin Hall responded nicely from um, a five turnover game at Oklahoma State to a six assist, one turnover game. Tremendous from the sophomore. And that's he another understated performance. Right? He has not completed his sophomore year. Dallin Hall is one of the best young point guards BYU's ever had. Nobody has had to play this schedule. Nobody had to do it as an underclassman. And nobody's you playing 35-plus I mean? minutes a game on the red. And getting hammered, right? Like, th this kid's awesome. And I call him kid because he's, what, he's been off his mission only like two years? He's still a young dude. He's like 22. And, but he is, he is doing great. And, uh, you know, Baylor, only eight assists. A lot of ISO, a lot of NBA stuff with, with Bridges and Walters and – Misi's really good, by the way. We saw some real NBA talent there. Which, by the way, good to see Keontae George there, which was cool. Some we'll talk big about names later. in the building. Zach Wilson yeah. there. Uh, KVN does it again, so that was awesome. Listen, they're all there to watch Ali Khalifa. And so are Scott Van Pelt and Stanford the Steve. The country kind of fell in love with Ali <laughs> if they hadn't seen him yet. They saw him last night, which is really fun. Let's talk about his stat line, which is just wild. 14 points on 5 of 7, shooting 4 of 6 from the three-point line. What five-man is doing this? <laughs> nobody, literally, is doing the points and assists as a five and from three. There's nobody like Ali Khalifa. Nobody. Seven assists, zero turnovers, seven rebounds. This is why Stanford Steve says, my favorite player in the country. I asked him after the game about the airball three, and he's like, I had to have a heat check. <laughs> and after I airballed it, I went back to Coach Fieger, and I was like, hey, was that a good shot? And he's like, don't make me answer that question. <laughs> Just don't do that again. <laughs> you, when you make four, you can airball one. It's just fine. Do, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, it's acceptable yep. for sure. Yep. Uh, in fact, let's hear from Ali Khalifa on what allowed him to find such success against a tough Baylor team. 
I was just being more aggressive. I feel like the team's been pressuring me a lot. I'm just trying to figure out how to be effective on offense still while they pressure me. I feel like today I was just aggressive getting inside the three-point line. We've been emphasizing this with Coach Pope and the bigs. Um, yeah, just being more aggressive and guys were cutting wide open because people were scared of us shooting threes. So we were getting wide open layups and I was just, all I needed to do was just to pass the ball to them. Ollie yeah. wouldn't say just this. Just pass the ball, bro. <laughs> Come on, why are you Like, when in BYU history have we felt like, yes, the center should shoot threes? Like, th- this is fun to watch. The, the ability of BYU to stretch the floor. And then they stretch it not just, uh, you know, on the three-point line. They stretch it horizontally with the way they spread out, the way they pass the ball unselfishly, led by Ali, led by Dallin. It's just fun basketball to watch. Like, th- this is the culmination of all the great BYU teams, um, but without a superstar, right? Just a great team. They can do a lot of different things. They've played a tougher schedule than they've ever played, and it's just really fun to see. To me, this is the second best win of the season. Iowa mm. State's still better, but this is the second best. And you, got, you beat number 11 in not only net, which BYU is now, by the way, today, dropped despite playing number – I don't know how that works. But um, BYU uh, could maintain a top 25 ranking, stays above 500. On ESPN, in the SVP, made a real national splash, which is awesome, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But in the standings – you're seven and six now, tied with TCU, which is awesome. They're and, uh, one game out of sixth. third. They're one game out of third place. How about that? Like if BYU beats Kansas State uh, on Saturday, they got a real shot of like being in fourth or fifth. Depending Going into on Kansas how it next Tuesday, out. yes. Which is exciting. Just be on the left side here. Be in the top seven. Put yourself in a good spot. Win a game in Kansas City. And and by the way, BYU is what one, two games away from feeling like okay, they are in the tourney. It's just what seed. Like, we expect BYU to make it, to win, but I mean, like, if they lost the rest. And then beat Oklahoma State? Yes. They would be They'd still fine. be in. They'd they still be, be in the tournament. Now you don't have to beat TCU at home, per se, by the way. It'd be nice if you did, but you don't have to. That win not only made up for Oklahoma State, it was, it was, a, it was plus that. It was like one and a half wins or two wins. If BYU, because Baylor's good. Yes. If BYU can can pull a road split here in Kansas. Now they have a real opportunity to finish 10 and 8 in conference. Then it's possible. You have to beat TCU and Oklahoma State, right? You're not, I, at Iowa State and at Kansas, I'm just chalking those up as L's. If, if they're wins, I am surprised, I am excited, I am exhilarated, all of those. They are a combined 25 and 0 at home this year. Neither team has lost a home game. Yeah, they, they're, I tweeted earlier, I can't remember, but it's something like that. Um, it's, it's awesome. Where BYU's at is they're in a great spot. Yes, unbelievable. I also had a few people after the game say, hey, I was watching BYU Sports Nation, including the Popes. Like, Mark Pope's parents were there, and they're like, nice. you were wrong. <laughs> and I was like, about what? And they're like, you said BYU wouldn't win by four plus. And I'm like, you're right. I did. <laughs> I did say that. I love uh, being wrong on that uh, stuff. I, I felt like yeah. BYU, I, I said, what I said was, I think whoever has the ball last is probably going to win the game. It felt like it was going to be that type of game, yeah. and it was kind of pacing for that. But BYU wins by seven again. So, yes, I was wrong. But I did say, Which and Jeremy will back me up on, on this. Show history is crazy. Why I was hopeful was because BYU has this trend yeah. of coming home. That's a good identification. And trend. figuring it out and winning a big game. Like, they have done it now three different times. Like, this is who they are. They're so good we at, signed up at for rebounding. This. When, we, when we went to the Big 12, it was like we signed up for games like that last night. 
Absolutely. And the, the crowd responded and the team responded and it was awesome. Well, the nation responded as well on Twitter in large part. BYU got a ton of love. John Rostein tweeting, Ali Khalifa is going to be a darling in the NCAA tournament. Old man type game, but so effective. <laughs> Old man. BYU is the surprise of the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned Stanford Steve and I quote, my favorite player in the country, speaking of Ali Khalifa. That's cool. It's fun to hear those guys giggle about Ali's game and the way he passes. Like, super fun to watch those highlights on SVP. We're not the only ones that giggle, I guess. No, oh my gosh. Seth Davis uh, said, BYU getting ready to finish off Baylor. Cooks have made 14 threes tonight. Terrific performance. Baylor's D leaves much to be desired. Seth tweeted on Saturday about BYU doesn't appear ready for March. What? So this is a makeup tweet from Seth. From Seth. Seth, we need to get you on the show so you can explain yourself. We're going to call you Tony Padilla, who last <laughs> night was just off his game. Tim Lacombe from the top rung, talking about Tony Padilla on Twitter. He's always it too funny. emotional. It was pretty He's funny. Angry. Uh, good to see KVN and Zach Wilson at the yeah. game, as we mentioned. Keontae George, big-time stuff. Seth Greenberg, as hey. part of that crowd at the Marriott Center, saying it's the toughest place to play in the Big 12. Ooh, Jay, Jay that Billis, includes Kansas and Jay Texas Billis Tech. said that to us earlier this week as well. Yeah. He said it's probably the toughest place to play. Like, there are a lot of tough places to play in the Big 12, but just, just Quite maybe the, compliment. the Marriott Center might be the toughest, which is wild. 14-2, 5-2 Big 12 at home. They have guaranteed to have a winning home record, by the way, now. Amazing. After that winning. In Big 12 players. Yes. Yes. Guaranteed to have Love a it. winning Big 12 home record this Love season. It. Our question of the day. What was your favorite moment from BYU's win over Baylor? Lauren underscore J underscore Smith on X says, the feel that the team may just be at full strength from illness and injury. Yeah. But I love me some Jackson Robinson and Richie Saunders oh, blocks. Richie Saunders blocked a lottery pick. Yes, he night. did. Oh, the, the block <laughs> late in the game was fantastic because Richie's recognition on defense of when to switch, how to play it, yeah. to stay in front of his man. And then Jackson had the swat of the night. I mean, do you, oh, like, yeah. just. He's so long. Seven-foot reach. Let's go. Wow. Caleb McKay on Instagram. Khalifa dominating an entire team more athletic than him. Yes. You, everyone has some kind of skill they can make great. And Ali has a couple, right? And he, said he, finally, he said he finally felt like back to his usual self after the flu. Like oh, he, he that's was, great. Because like, his knee is not healthy still, by the way, which is crazy. Oh, Joe Tegardine on X. Coach Pope's technical. He got in the ref's head and the calls shifted. It, was, it was worth it. It was on the bench, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was on the bench. It was worth it. You got a bunch more calls. It fired up the crowd, fired up the team. It was worth it. The flagrant kind of did that in a way, too. Like, the trends after the flagrant and the technical Yeah, flagrant. that was a weird play. BYU both went, and like, the emotions shifted towards the Cougars. Hashtag BYUS on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Women's Hoops, big game tonight. TCU, 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. I know the commentators. They're my friends. And BYU Radio. Shep's my friend, too. Yes. You and Kristen on the call. Let's go tonight. Big one for the women. Up next, let's hear from BYU head coach Mark Pope. My one-on-one post-game, if you didn't feel like staying up super late, well, we got you. You can hear all of it next. What impressed them the most about the win over Baylor? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Since the last game, we all got mad and we all wanted to play a better D, and we showed it tonight. Can BYU keep that anger 
and take it on the road to Kansas State. That is the challenge. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is a winning Wednesday. Number 25 BYU upsets number 11 Baylor. Well, well what do you mean? Vegas said BYU is the favorite and the cover. BYU holds serve. Funny, right? <laughs> it's, it's such a weird dynamic. That line was so weird, but in the end, Vegas was right again. Vegas was right again. Yeah. Mark Pope made his way out of the locker room, and you made a note of this in the post game, yes, last night, but it was visible to see just the relief and almost the exhaustion that he had because of he expended so much energy going into this post game interview, but he had, as he usually does, great insight. What impressed him the most and some of the individuals that stood out in last night's win? This is my one-on-one -on -one with Mark Pope last night. Well, Coach, I can't think of any other way to explain what night in and night out of the Big 12 is like other than emotional warfare, but it, you did it again tonight. Um, and after a tough loss, what does a win like tonight mean for your team, given what you just went through? It's important. We, you know, we talk about responding all the time. And, and um, you, know, you know, Baylor barely won at Oklahoma State. That's just how good this league is. Um, and, but our guys came back feeling a little bit... Uh, you know, we had some questions that we needed to answer, and um, I'm super proud of how the guys responded. Really proud of how they responded, because this is a grinder, and and um, the ability to kind of come back fresh and attack the day has been really special with these guys, and they were great the last couple of days. You're very open about the defensive struggles and issues that your team had had over the past few games. How did you feel about the defensive performance overall tonight? And maybe what are some of the differences you saw? Yeah, it was really it was really locked in. Minus the first five minutes, we were, you know, it's so much of this is. Um, it sounds funny because most of us think about the defensive end as like grit and fight and, 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 and effort. And that is true. But the defensive end is also confidence. It's so much confidence. It's confidence that like I can fully commit to a bottom and trust my first pass guy. It's confidence that I can like take a best route on a ball screen and, and know that I'm actually going to be able to, you know, V back switch and have a bottom there to kind of protect me just for a second. And, it's the confidence that you, you can be there on the catch and catch the move to really sell out on being there on catch and catch the move. And, and um, our confidence was a little bit shook, and I was really proud of our guys responding well. Coach Fennell did an unbelievable job um, kind of helping prep these guys to approach this game. And, and of all the really great stats, there were so many good stats, the seven turnover game and the you know, back to 14 made threes and, and this, uh, you, know, uh, you know, on and on. But the stat we're probably most proud of is the 37 points we gave up in the first half and the 34 we gave up in the second half. Really, really proud of that. Yeah, it's one thing to just get defensive confidence back, but to do it against a Baylor team that is elite with elite shot makers. I mean, what kind of added significance does that take? Yeah, this is um, this is clearly one of the most difficult teams to guard in the league. Um, you know, the second thing I'm most proud of is that we didn't we didn't we didn't lose the game at the line, um, and I was really proud of our guys for that. At the end of the first half, we had a couple throwaway fouls where we just bailed them out of really tough shots, but we were pretty solid and committed to doing things the way we do them, and we, and we did a nice job keeping it off the line. Uh, and doing that against Baylor is um, there's very few teams in the country that have done it this year. Certainly helps when you make 14 threes, and your team's been averaging almost 12 makes a year. You got over the 35 attempted mark as well with 36. What what allowed that to happen tonight? You know, it's um, I thought our guys played really free offensively, and um, I was really proud of the way they played. Uh, you know, we started out the game not great. You know, it was 8-0 and you know down 0-8 and and 13-6 uh, and then 13-8 and and then we kind of 
we found some emotion it by one securing the defensive end and then our guys were not tentative on the offensive end um, guys were outrunning it clearly it was nice to have ollie back as a 14 7 and 7 and 0 guy i mean that's a real luxury and so i think this was the first game back since he was so ill that he felt better but um really proud of the guys thrust and confidence and uh and execution offensively let's talk a little bit more about ali and you talk about the spacing that he creates on the floor for those who might know the nuances of the game what what does that mean for your team when he is healthy and that spacing is back it means a lot i mean he's a point guard for us so we we spend so much of the time running stuff through him you know, Dallin is carrying such an immense load, and Trey is uh, making a big contribution right now, and Jax is, you know, played some minutes of the one today. But when we do that, either Dallin's tired or the game speaking, or Jax or Trey is in there, uh, Ali is so comforting because, because literally we just get the ball down, get it to him at the top of the key, and then we have a hundred different actions we run off it. And fortunately, our guys are so committed to cutting hard that it works. Spencer Johnson is going to be an understated guy in this game, but uh, I mean, nine rebounds, and your guys really got after it on the glass. What what did you see that allowed success there? Yeah, I mean, for us to follow up an 18 offensive rebound game with 16 is really impressive. Um, and, you know, Spence, for example, having the back-to-back -back offensive rebounds down here on the baseline in the waning minutes of the game was just incredible effort and energy. Jackson Robinson on the glass, you know, he, he is, you know, that's probably not one of the places where he is a star, but he made some real energy efforts on the glass. Um, and really, it kind of kept us in the game. The first few minutes, we weren't scoring, but we were getting second chance opportunities every time. And so we all felt good. We're like, nah, this is fine. We're actually, our energy is right. And so we knew that the game would come back to us a little bit because of our effort on the offensive glass. How do you navigate the emotions of a game like that? It's obviously intense. There's a flagrant foul. There's a technical foul. There are frustrations from missed calls. Like, how do you, how do you work through that? Um, that's actually my job, um, and I'm getting better at it. Uh, you know, I'm a super emotional person, and and so um, me being a little more just as flatlined as I can be helps us. And it was a super emotional game. You know, Richie, Richie played an outstanding, outstanding game. Um, and, you know, that, that, that F1 foul was legit, and it's, it's something we need to avoid. And it's, it's just you're so in the emotion of the game, right? But our guys have done an unbelievable job in timeouts about taking a breath, about them talking to each other, about staying focused on kind of one key thing that they're verbalizing. And I think it's helped our whole team kind of stay more even. And, you know, that's a lot of training from the squad. They've been incredible for us. How do you stay even keel after a game and the emotions like we're experienced tonight? Um, I, you know what? Uh, one of the ways is just loving the moment. Like, like I hope, I, I mean, come on, this gym was on fire tonight. And, and um, you know, you don't get to do this forever. And we don't get to share this forever. And you don't get this every year. I don't know what it is, 14 or 15 weeks, we were in the top 25. and and. Um, you know, we don't get to witness a team that is kind of like suffered and sacrificed to be together like this group has. And, and we don't get a first year in the Big 12. And so um, I think we're all trying to love the moment, just love the moment and take it in. And that's pretty special. Ari, we'll finish with this. If you had to be nitpicky and you can pinpoint one thing that you really want your guys to work on, even after a critical win, what would it be? Back to the same thing, trust. Like our trust on defense took a big step tonight and, and we need to keep going that way. Like we need to keep trusting ourselves. We can do this. We can do it together. And we do it a little different, but we can do it together. And when we have faith in what we're doing, we don't second guess. We're not on our heels on the defensive end. We can be really functional. That was a, a major step forward for us. Coach, congratulations on a great win. Appreciate you. Let's go, Coop.
I like that he brought up just the confidence required on defense. Mm -hmm. It's not just about shooting and scoring, but like there is a swagger that you can take in from preparation and knowing where you're supposed to be and trusting where your teammates are going to be. And we saw that return for BYU. So I know it seems like a simple concept, but I, we don't discuss like, hey, like defend confidently. Defensive confidence is interesting. Yeah. And he was, he was clearly tired and spent there because oh. that wasn't the normally, normally bubbly Mark Pop. He was no. like, <sighs> Typically, there's a fashion statement, yeah. but he'll nope. make, he'll make a reference to a tie it. or a suit or his socks or shoes. No, or he'll whatever. be that way again tomorrow night on the Pope Show, for <laughs> yes. sure. Yeah. But like after that game, uh, after Oklahoma State, it took a lot to get that win. It was awesome. BYU basketball with Mark Pope, as mentioned. Tomorrow, 8.30 Eastern, talking about a big win against Baylor. Big game at Kansas State, Saturday, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. And how about what's up next? The stat that all that but guarantees <laughs> that BYU will win at least one game in the NCAA tournament this season. Okay, then. Dramatic much? This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Oh, some fantastic moments from BYU's win over Baylor as called by our good friend Roxy Bernstein of ESPN. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside the fabulous Austin Colley. And wouldn't you know, you just heard his voice. We're going to bring him in live over Zoom from the Bay Area. Roxy Bernstein is back on BYU Sports Station. It's been too long since we've done this in this format, Roxy. It's great to see you rocking the swag and to have you back on the show. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Spence. All right. Uh, you just saw BYU in, uh, in an epic atmosphere at the Marriott Center with a sellout on a Tuesday night, for crying out loud. But BYU needed that crowd uh, to beat a very good Baylor team. As you kind of assess what happened, and we're now a few days removed from it, what to you was the most impressive stat or trend that BYU showed you in that win? I think it was the offensive rebounds. That, that BYU had 16 offensive rebounds in that game. Look, we, they made 14 threes, but we come to expect BYU making threes, right? And th if that's their recipe. That's what they're going to do. But 16 offensive rebounds against a very good rebounding team. Baylor's one of the, as far as rebound margin goes, one of the top 20 rebounding teams in the country. And BYU had 16 offensive rebounds, and they kept getting second and third opportunities. That, to me, was the game mm. that Baylor Baylor didn't play poorly. I just thought BYU played, I don't want to say a little bit harder, but they certainly were more opportunistic in that game. And that's what it came down to was the number of offensive rebounds that BYU had. Speaking of rebounds, Roxy, and speaking of three-pointers, I know, uh, you know, Ali Khalifa's presence, I think, has been felt every game he's been in, whether it's through assists, rebounding, or just like his last game, coming on pretty early in the three-point game. What, uh, what have you thought of his performance so far? He's so fun to watch, Austin, because he's just so different. Yeah. Right? You don't see big men. We're seeing more and more big men shoot the three. But Ali Khalifa's passing ability and his ability to run the off and Mark Pope's ability to run the offense through his center at the top of the arc is something that's very challenging, I think, for teams to try to defend. And we saw Baylor struggle with it. 
And Eve Misi, who is going to go in the first round of the NBA draft coming up in June, yeah. he is a tremendous talent and a very good player. But he was in an uncomfortable position because he's not used to stepping out and trying to defend that. And it really posed problems for Baylor. And Misi, we saw it a few times, was a little slow to get out. And then you were caught in some mismatches and some switches. And I remember one time, because the Baylor bench is right in front of us, Scott Drew slammed the table in yes. frustration because Baylor was just a little bit tardy on a switch. You can't do that with BYU. You have to be up in their face. You have to go over the ball screens. And if you don't, they're going to make you pay as BYU made Baylor pay Tuesday night. Roxy Bernstein of ESPN is on BYU Sports Nation. And Roxy, you've known BYU and followed them and called so many of their games through their West Coast Conference years, and now you've called multiple games with BYU in year one of the Big 12. In your opinion, where has BYU made the biggest improvement in transitioning from the WCC now to the best college basketball conference in America? Well, the roster has the makeup, Spence, to be in the Big 12. You can see what their athleticism and their size. Um, but I, I think what makes it for BYU, their ability to compete at the top of the Big 12, especially with this group, is how unique they are offensively mm. and what Mark Pope is doing that really is troubling for defenses. You look in the past and the teams, Dave Rose had excellent teams and they were so fun to watch. It was a fantastic game to be a part of, but it wasn't this complicated offensively. They would attack, they would shoot threes, but when you had dynamic scores like they did over the years, whether it was Jimmer, whether it was Hawes, you go on and on and on with the great players that they had. But it was a different feel because of what Mark Pope does offensively with his scheme. And Chris Fatola got into it during the broadcast, and we were talking about it Tuesday night that all the ball screens and the triple actions that BYU does makes it extremely difficult. And in a quick turnaround for teams to get ready for this, it's not easy. And Chris equated it to football teams trying to match up with an Army or a Navy or an Air Force because of the uniqueness of what they do offensively. It's similar in terms of the way you defend. In like, for example, transition defense, you're getting back, you're, you're taught to protect the lane, right? You work your defense from the inside out. You can't do that with BYU. <laughs> you have to play almost from the outside in, which goes completely against your mindset and what you've been taught to do all these years of playing basketball. So that's the challenge for teams matching up with BYU is to go against your conventional scheme, if you will, and your plan and your mindset just because BYU, what they do is so different than everybody else. So, Roxy, speaking of speaking of other teams' preparation and the uniqueness of preparing for BYU, BYU's got two very tough road games coming up, right? Kansas, Kansas State. We posed the question online to the Cougar fans everywhere what their expectations are for the two road game wins, right? I think statistically, as of right now, I think everybody's got it, you know, going one and one, right? Losing against Kansas, <laughs> beating Kansas State. What are your expectations for BYU in those two road game wins? It's funny because these are the type of weekends, because you guys know I do so much Pac-12 stuff. And even, you know, when the WCC had the travel partners when BYU was in the league, the the the, the goal was always protect your home court yes. and come away with a split on the road. Yes, And I think that needs to be 
the mentality. You don't want to come home 0-2, so you got to come up with a split. And certainly the Kansas State game would be probably a little bit more favorable <laughs> as far as getting a win. I'm not saying that Kansas State's not a good team because they are. You don't, you don't believe it, in miracles, Roxy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are 44 years removed today from the miracle on ice. so That's true. But, you know, Kansas is one of the elite teams that's a legitimate threat to win the national title. I have some concerns about Kansas's depth, though the frontline talent is phenomenal. But in, when you look at going on the road, it's not easy. And it's been tough everywhere in college basketball this year for teams to win on the road. And we've seen BYU struggle with it. For example, Mark Pope was lamenting to us about defensively how they had some slippage in the game last Saturday when they went to Stillwater and played Oklahoma State. So you need to have certainly everything buttoned up and locked in when you're going on the road. But the approach has to be different, and that's what BYU really needs to do is focus in on they can't even worry about Kansas. They have to worry about Kansas State first. Roxy Bernstein on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's play the hypothetical game, Roxy. I know you'll do this. Some, <laughs> okay. some of your comrades don't want to do this. Uh, we asked Jay Billis the same hey, question. How dare you throw Sean Farnham under the bus <laughs> like that? We love, we love Sean. Some, some have some trepidation about doing this. But okay. Joel lenardi has been bouncing BYU back and forth between a five and a six seed. If you were to seed BYU and the NCAA tournament were starting three days from now, what has BYU earned as far as the seed line goes? I think at this point, and here we are, we still have about a month until the Big 12 tournament and the rest of the season to go. I think BYU is on that 5-6 line. And I'd almost rather be a 6 than a 5, to be honest with you. Yeah. But... You, you can only play who's in front of you. And we all know the NCAA tournament's dictated in matchups. But they've cemented themselves in the field. And the way they play, and as we talked about earlier, Spence, these tough turnarounds, it's going to be challenging. Let's say BYU wins their first game. Then you have about 48 hours to prepare for what is so different than what everybody else does in the country. That second game is going to be extremely challenging for whoever gets BYU. Assuming mm. BYU wins their first game in the tournament. But in that second-round matchup, that's going to be the tough thing is turning around, and the challenge is trying to figure out what BYU is trying to do. Great stuff, Roxy. We'll finish with this, and we discussed this yesterday. We, it was shown during the broadcast that you called between BYU and Baylor every year that BYU has beaten at least three ranked teams, they have won at least one NCAA tournament game, which is a wild stat. So I hope you're right and that BYU does have a second game that a team has to prepare for them on a short turnaround because I agree with you. The Cougars are so unique that just maybe, maybe they can get past that first-round game, quick turnaround, and BYU in the Sweet 16 is – I know it sounds wild, but it's a, it feels like it, it, it's a possibility it's this year. It's got a nice ring to it. It's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. It, it. It's very real. For BYU to do that. Mark Pope's probably just right now muttering to himself about us talking about this right now <laughs> because every coach is worried about the task at hand. Yes. And Mark Pope's not even thinking about Kansas. He's thinking about Kansas State, let alone we're talking about the NCAA tournament right yeah, now. Yeah. But there is that unique matchup which would favor BYU in that quick turnaround. Regardless of, let's say they're a six, they're playing three. 
or in that four or five matchup. That's the challenge for teams is coming back on a quick turnaround. And 48 hours to get ready for all the different sets and all the motions and all the different schemes that, that Mark Pope has, because as we know, he's a brilliant offensive mind. That is going to pose nightmares for assistant coaches on BYU's opponents. And they're not going to get any sleep from the time that that team wins their first round game, assuming that BYU is their second round matchup. Uh, Roxy, just so you know, as we wrap up, we've placed a phone call to your bosses at ESPN and have requested that you do more BYU basketball games. So um... I have no problem with that. <laughs> I had to bring home a bunch of cinnamon rolls from Shirley's. <laughs> so, you know, I stopped at the airport before I went to the airport yesterday. And, you know, I'm rocking the BYU Sports Nation swag. So, you know. We love it. We love it. Roxy, thank you so I, much I for stopping by, brother. <laughs> great great to talk it, to you, brother. Thanks we'll talk to you again me. soon. Okay. Roxy, okay. Roxy Bernstein of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. He is, uh, I mean, a pro's pro, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's when always it, fun to get an expert's when, opinion. When it comes to play-by-play right? -play and college basketball, not just that, he covers a ton of college football, too. Like, he's very versatile, but uh, so grateful to have him as part yeah. of our group here with BYU Sports No Nation. question. Before the Cues get to the tournament, though, they got uh, two road games oh, man. in the state of just Kansas. Just win one! At Kansas, at Kansas State on Saturday, pregame coverage begins at 1 Eastern on BYU Radio. Mark Pope, well, whether he wants national recognition or not, it is incoming, specifically for his coaching job this season. Is he a Coach of the Year candidate? This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Austin. Let's roll out your headlines. Let's do it. As BYU's men's basketball prepares for a two-game road trip to the state of Kansas, let's take a look at their team sheet. BYU has a record of 19-7 overall and 7-6 in the Big 12. They have a 4-5 quad one record and a 3-2 record in quad two games. They're currently ranked 25 in the AP pool, 11th in the net, and 15th in the Ken Palm. Currently a sixth seed in Joe Lunardi's latest bracketology. Let's go. BYU women's basketball, tough game last night. Lose at home to TCU 68-58. Lauren Gustin, 13 points, 16 rebounds, her 82nd career double-double. But BYU allowed 14 made threes from TCU. Cougars now fall to 15 and 13 overall, 5 and 10 in the Big 12. Up next, BYU with a road game, tough environment at Iowa State on Saturday. And BYU baseball lost its third straight game last night, 8-0 at Cal. Cal scored five runs in the first two innings and never looked back. BYU was held to just four hits and left nine runners, nine, on base in that loss. Up next is a three-game series at a tough UC Davis team beginning with game one today. BYU softball opens playing the Mary Nutter Classic today in Palm Springs. The Cougars will play five games over the next three days, beginning with two today against Bethune-Cookman and UC Riverside. The Cougars off to a nice start, eight and two so far this season. BYU men's tennis plays at Weber State this morning. BYU is six and three on the season and has won five straight matches. And former BYU golfer and PGA Tour rookie Patrick Fishburn tees off 
on tour today at the Mexico Open at Vedanta Vallarta. Those are today's headlines. Now, some opinions in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Austin, what do you have for us to begin? So college basketball, basketball analyst Jeff Goodman okay, ranked his top 10 candidates of National Coach of the Year as of today. Okay. And guess who was on it? Uh, Mark Pope. None other than Mark Pope at number 10. Okay. Okay, is this clearly the best coaching job that Mark Pope has had at BYU? I am inclined to say yes, it is. I know he's had some incredible runs, especially year number one. I know COVID eventually shut that thing down, but in year one, he got Yoli Childs to come back and brought Jake Toulson over and got TJ Haas to go to another level. That BYU team was special. They beat number two Gonzaga. That's in year one, but we're talking about the Big 12, Austin. We're talking about BYU finishing fifth in the West Coast Conference in back-to-back seasons and now being a real player in the Big 12. So yes, to me, this is the best coaching job that Mark Pope has ever done. Yeah, just talk to, to his 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 ability to get this team ready to take their abilities to a next level, right? I mean, and that's that's all in the coaching. Rising tides. Hey, the SEC and Big Ten have proposed a college football playoff format where both conferences would get four automatic bids each. Okay, that would leave either four remaining spots for the other conferences in the current 12-team model or six total playoff spots for the other conferences in a possible future 14-team model that the SEC and Big Ten propose should start in 2026. What are your thoughts on these ideas from the SEC and Big Ten? Well, listen, with the new additions of the SEC and the Big Ten, I mean, it is getting... um, I mean, the SEC is getting big. I think the Big 12, if any conference deserves four teams to get in there, I mean, it's definitely the Big 12, right? Only because of how many teams we have added on, right? Well, We've all, lost. These, all these conferences are going to have 16 teams or right. more now. Exactly, right? But you would like to see the better competition in the playoff, right? Sure. Um, and I do think it, it might have to come down to, you know, a weight system, right? Well, per, per talent inside each conference. They want four automatic bids though. Like I'm okay if the power conferences, notably the SEC and Big Ten, have like multiple automatic bids, but four? Yeah, four's crazy. Four's a lot. That's aggressive. Like two? Okay, two. Yeah. Like you have two automatic bids for your two best teams, fine. You have a huge conference, you're probably the best conference. I like that. Okay. I can't I can't get on board from four though. I mean the Big Ten, other than Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, yeah. What what are UCLA there? and UC at USC? What will they be in the future? I know Wisconsin fans are like, hey, what about us? You know, Penn State's like, hey, what about us? Yeah, but you're you're anybody at any given year, right? Unless you're Michigan and Ohio State. They just haven't been as consistent. Penn State probably has the best case outside of those two. That's true. Uh, but I'm, oh, I'm okay with two automatic spots. Four? Nah, too many. Yeah. All right, BYU baseball will look to bounce back from the loss to Cal tonight at UC Davis. Like we said, tough Davis team. Today's game is the first of the three-game series. You can listen to Dave McCain on the call at 5 Eastern on BYU Radio. All right, we just talked about Keanu Hill about 15 minutes ago, making the move from the wide receiver room to the tight end group. He'll join us next. Why he's ready for big things after the decision to switch positions for Cougar football. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this.
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. It is Mailbag Monday, our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Alex Beach on X, who asks, was Saturday's men's basketball game more a case of BYU falling for a trap game, or are there deeper issues within the team? Three games in a row of defensive issues. BYU's pulled out the first two, did not this third one. Boy, I wish BYU would have that double-digit lead. We've talked about before but yeah no I think they're deeper issues on defense right for now. sure Mark Pope said as much post game today's rise and shout out is up next Old Canada on the mind this is BYUSA that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio